Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Stop and stop it. Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. It's been a minute since I've done a solo episode, but we've had some requests from folks that, you know, want to hear solo episodes again. And, uh, I do, I do feel like very honored by you guys saying that because I just felt like, I mean, they must be tired of just hearing me fucking talk, um, but, uh, you know, you want to hear my thoughts on things and that's super dope. So we're going to make it our business to, um, filter in more, more solo episodes for you guys. Shout out to everyone who's been listening from way back when the whole show was just me talking out of my ass. I mean, not talking out of my ass in like a fast in a fake way, just meaning that I would just be sitting there just talking and I can do that for a lot of topics. So why not keep that ball rolling? This week, we're talking about side effects of being an independent artist. And this has been living very heavily in my consciousness as of late. And so it feels right to speak about it because I'm in it, like in a real way. And I know a lot of you guys are independent artists in yourself. Um, or you're in or you're in pursuit of a career of art and you're not sure uh, kind of how you want to exist in that space. And I talk about a little I talk about it a little bit in my book, Small Doses, uh, just, you know, the uniqueness of what it is to be an artist in commerce, because that is its own vibe. Right. Because the commercial space is a space of lines and dots and grids and strenuous, you know, and finite and, and statistics and analysis. And, you know, the artistic space is one of just <laughs> feeling and intuition and trusting and that's not um the you know business isn't built on that for a lot of people right so how do you convert that to work into a commercial space well there's a similar dance that happens with that and being an independent artist and i want to talk about that today also for those of you all who are listening that may be very close to somebody who considers themselves an independent artist and it may look really nonsensical to you and so i hope that i can bring some semblance of clarity to the the framework of living in that mindset. Um, so we're going to do that. So we're going to get into it. All right. But first, let's let's do a little gem dropping. Gem dropping. Gem dropping. Gem dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. <sighs> so this gem dropping is independent artists versus artist. <laughs> now... I talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but I think it's very important for me to lay out what an independent artist is versus someone who is just an artist because that title can exist in a multitude of ways, okay? You can be a uh, amateur artist. You can be a commercial artist. You can be an independent artist. You can be a hobby artist. Like, you know, 
there's a multitude of ways that that can manifest itself. I remember meeting Herbie Hancock and him saying to me, everyone is an artist. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, because this life requires so much creativity to manage and get through it, you know, that we are all artists in our own way. I thought that was a really dope and incredible concept. I wish everybody was kind of grown and 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 raised in that mindset because I think we would have a very different world because the thing about when you are moving as an artist and operating as an artist, you are always considering um, creating and you are looking at things with other perspectives and you just have more of an openness. And I think that, don't get me wrong, there are people who don't necessarily create art that can have that mindset. And I think that's dope. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, um, in Harry Potter, you have muggles, but then you also have a squib. So you have squibs in Harry Potter, and these are people who are a part of the wizarding world. They just aren't wizards, but they are within the space and they can tap into it and understand it. And, you know, there's, um, there's so many people like that too, right? Like my mother, I wouldn't necessarily say she would consider herself an artist, but my mother is of art, right? She is of that mind. She is of that, that framework, which I think is why she eventually came to understand the difference between me just being an artist and being an independent artist. An independent artist is somebody who basically understands that they want to create art independent of the limitations that come with uh, certain levels of patronage and of certain levels of um, commercial success. And they want to rely on their own systems. They want to rely solely on their own <laughs> shit, on their own responsibilities as well. It's not a lighthearted decision that you make to say, I'm going to go forth in this fashion because our Western world in particular is not set up to necessarily uh, really get behind independent artists, no matter how this America likes to talk about small business, et cetera, et cetera. Like it just, it's really about the corporations. Like that's what this country is actually about. That small business shit is a fucking smoke and mirror because at the end of the day, you see that there's monopolies happening all the goddamn time. All the time. Remember when it was like, oh, there can't be a monopoly. Like, they, you know, that's why these people can't have, you know, partnerships. With Get the fuck out of here. There used to be this idea that like there has to be multiple police, multiple creators it, or multiple resources in an in a certain um, vertical so that consumers have multiple options. Well, even if you look at cable. It's like you really in certain neighborhoods have one option. I mean, I, my neighborhood is like Time Warner. That's it. But the people are like, your internet is slow. And I'm like, well, first and foremost, fuck you. It's not my control. Okay. I'm not down there with the Wi-Fi and the fiber optics fucking shit up. I'm not, it's not like I'm down there, you know, you know, peeing between the, the fiber optic grates like I did that one New Year's Eve between the cars on the New Jersey Transit. Like that's not happening. It's because I have only access to one cable place. And I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why my internet is janky is because this one fucking cable provider is having to service all of us because that's the way the shit was cut out. You know, when you look at the baby formula crisis, the baby formula crisis is based on the fact that there are only three manufacturers of baby formula in America. It's not because there are only three manufacturers of baby formula in the world. 
It's because America and this jackass Trump made it so that there can only be these three folks. And I'm sure he got money off of making this decision. There can only be these three folks that make this. And one of them, the one that is the one that is fucking up makes 40% of the baby formula. And they had a scenario in their plant where there was bacteria that they can't disprove caused four babies to get sick and two babies to die that were drinking that formula. So because they can't disprove it, they have to shut down until they can or until they can at least prove it and then fix it. So then that's where the shortage came from because it's been allowed. So this country doesn't create space necessarily for independent artists to thrive, but nonetheless, like that young man somewhere on a basketball court with no net, we all think we're going to get into the league. <laughs> Why not? That is the, the, uh, the beauty and also the fury of hope. Now, on the other hand, the contrast, an artist, you know, can identify their skill set and be like, all right, I'm trying to make some bread off of this and I'm trying to get into a space and a system that has a certain level of safety, that has a certain level of um, security to it. And... I will be able to, you know, quote unquote, peddle my wares within that environment. An independent artist is an entrepreneur at the end of the day. And an entrepreneur is somebody who is creative about business at the end of the day, right? The uniqueness is that, like I said at the top of the show, business is very, it has a finiteness to it. It has a grid work to it that, that, sol- that also shifts on a regular basis. And so when you are choosing to be an independent artist, you are understanding that it's not going to just be you creating. It's going to be you also being creative about business. And that's a whole other skill that you end up having to manifest and, and work on and fortify. And it can be incredibly taxing and exhausting. Ooh, but when it pays off, man, it is incredible. It can be lucrative in multiple ways, not just money, but in just the, the, the personal victory of like, I bet on myself. And I've seen this idea come to fruition. And it's a beautiful thing. I've had people that I know that were artists that tried to go the independent route and then were like, you know what? I just, I would feel better with some framework. And then chose to go into more secure spaces. No shade, no shade. But I think for me, those spaces that seem or that feel secure to, to those types of artists feel like a hindrance. They feel oppressive to me. Um, and it's not to say that there can't be spaces like that that are, I'm not saying those spaces are always toxic. They're not, they're not always toxic, right? They can be very fortuitous and they, they can be abundant and they can be beautiful. I'm not saying that that's not the case. When your mind is built a certain way, You need to have no limitations to where you want to go. And you also want to not have to answer to anybody about it. I'm that kind of person. I realized that I am my own ecosystem. And that's why I've made a career out of creating spaces and safe spaces. And I've created safe spaces by our Smart, Funny, and Black shows. 
Small Doses, by the way, Small Doses Live, coming to a city near you. You'll, you can see us at the Kennedy Center on July 23rd. Uh, get your tickets. It's going to be a safe space. Um, I've done safe spaces that were one-offs. You know, I like to think my Instagram as a safe space. We have the Amandaverse now, which is for those who want to contribute to the independence of my artistry. And you can go to theamandaverse.com. But in creating these spaces, it was also imperative for me to learn how to create a safe space within my business. And let me tell you, that was the hardest lesson that I had to learn. So the difference between an artist and an independent artist, the work is there. The skill, the talent, the love can all be there. The difference is that the independent artist is also having to rely on themselves in a whole other fashion to bring that artistry to the people and not just behind the scenes. So when I say that like learning how to create a safe space in business was the hardest lesson I ever learned, what I mean is that, you know, I have kind of, I've had like a bit of success in both spaces, right? So I have independent as an independent artist, like I DIY on a regular basis, like I was doing YouTube before YouTube was YouTube. Okay. Like I've always been somebody who's like, let's like, let's just do this. Let's make this and not caring about if it's going to make money, if it's going to spend money, you know, just trying to get something that's in me, out of me into the world. Right. And I, in doing that have also then worked in commercial artist spaces, like as, you know, a character on Insecure, you know, as a host for different things. So it's, it's, I, I, I juggle the both. The thing about it though, is that in doing so, I've started to then have some more, re, you know, some more need to, to, to have staff. And so in building my staff, I had to also build infrastructure and process. And that was not something that I knew how to do for other people than myself. And it really, as an independent artist, is an integral part of your process because whether you are working with one person that's just like helping manage your shit or whether it's you by yourself and you're having to interact with, you know, outward sources um, to help support the independent uh, road that you're on, there's a certain level of professionalism and of security that you want people to have about not just your talent, but about your business. And that's not necessarily taught to you. So for me, it also was like, how do I interact with my staff in a way that is positive? How do I interact with my staff in a way that builds morale, that, that builds um, connectivity, because it's not just about productivity. Like, it's not just about like, how do I interact with my way, with my staff in a way that, you know, gets them to produce and get what I need done. Cause there's a step before that folks will rock out with you. If you give them a reason to now in some scenarios, you know, the reason for people rocking out with you is money. And I try to be in as few scenarios like that as possible. I don't want nobody working for me just cause they getting a check. Um, because they're going to get the check. 
But if their sole reason for wanting to work with me is that they need a check, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because that's not the sole reason I work. And what I had to learn was how to create a company culture that was as robust as my artistic um, ethos. And when I, my, my artistic, my artistic, my artistic, my artistic, my artistic ethos is that I have to create work that doesn't only serve my creative soul, but that also serves the people. Well, that's not some light shit. You know, and you heard of the episode uh, that we did for the artist series with side effects of Lonnie, Lonnie J. Johnson, you know, social practice, you know, creating work that has a purpose in it for upliftment, for edutainment, for empowerment, right? It has an extra energy to it. So like, if I'm going to be doing all of that, then I have to work with people that respect that, you know, that not only respect it, but that honor that I have to work with people that see that as enriching to them, you know, that, that, that see that as something that increases their value. And it took me a minute to realize that I was in the way of being able to do that because I was actually mimicking the behaviors and systems of the places that were actually toxic to me because I didn't know any better. And I, I, I don't want people to think I'm letting myself off the hook by saying I didn't know any better. But what I mean is that sometimes if that's all you've been shown, then you're not even aware that there's another option that can be viable. Because it's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. And you're like, no. And, and, and you're like, no, but it is broke. And you're like, yeah, but it's working. And you're like, is it? I used to yell so much. I feel like I used to be just very condescending and a lot less patient with the people that were working with me because I just, I was on this, I am, I'm on this artistic mission as an independent artist that has such higher stakes than so many of the situations that they're in. If you're working with people part-time, you know, they're dealing with other stuff. This is your full time, right? So it's like, it would feel so frustrating to me when they would make errors or when they would forget things or when they, or when they would like, you know, just do things that would infringe upon, you know, just my systems that I've created that I think are going to be the thing. And it was like, I had come to perfect my process and my style as an artist, but I didn't, I didn't know my process and my style as a leader and to be an independent artist. It is just as important. It is just as important. The canvas that you paint for your partners that you're working with, that you are painting for your patrons. It's just as important because they're going to look to that, you know, metaphorical or, or, uh, Jesus, I have no vocabulary today. It's because I haven't eaten yet. Um, but they're going to look to that proverbial canvas as a guide for how they're working on your stuff. And if that is riddled with a bunch of negative imagery, et cetera, then when they look to that, that reminds them and it disheartens them and it blows, lowers morale, et cetera. And it gets you exactly what you don't want, which is the people who are like, well, I ain't really like that, but I need to check. So it's, it took, it took definite, um, 
wake up calls and it took me being willing to be very honest with myself and completely relinquishing ego and being willing to apologize because it's not like you just switch overnight, you know, but being able to apologize and take accountability. And I feel like I was able to eventually build a culture within Smart, Funny and Black um, as a business and as a team of love and honor and honesty and trust and compassion. And the work of an independent artist is creating the space for you to be independent and not have to rely on the places that don't really give a fuck. Not having to rely on the systems that actually want to see someone like you destroyed or that just simply don't even understand why you're important, why you are even valuable to this society. It, 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 it create you, you as an independent artist, you are forced to figure out how to create a space that simply exists to serve those who enrich that space. And that is hard as fuck. It's hard as fuck. Cause you still gotta pay bills. You still gotta take care of your people. You know, you still gotta feed your pets. And we are in a capitalist society that, that, that doesn't honor, you know, the efforts of independent artists in that way. So you have to tap in and figure out a way to tap into the folks that do. You have to figure out a way to tap into the folks that do understand the value of someone like you creating without the limitations, creating without the enforcement, without the policing of profit. Because it's such a beautiful thing to create without worrying about what it's going to make you. As somebody who, am I going to make myself cry? As somebody who has managed to get to a point in my life where I can sustain a livelihood for myself, for my family, based on my creativity, it feels like a miracle. Like when I know, now that I know how the world works, works, it feels like a miracle. It's not a miracle, but it feels like a miracle, which in itself drives me every day. There's, a, there's some of you out there who are like, I want to do what she's doing and I don't know how. I'm going to tell you some ways to do it. One, you have to understand that your output has to be exponential. Some people might disagree with me. Some might say, you know, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. I'm like, mm, it's about both. It's about putting out a high quantity of quality. Now, I'm not saying that means that you got to, if you're a painter, that you got to paint a bajillion paintings to, and sell them. But if you listened to any of the artists that were on our artist series, there's one common thread amongst all of them. And that is quantity, diligence. Not just because you need to get things out to people, but because it's 
your process. And in that quantity, you, you are perfecting your process and the ability for you to tap in to what the fuck you do anytime you need to do it. The other part of it though, on the, on the monetary side, on the, you know, uh, the commercial, not commercial, but on the financially supportive side, on the audience building side is that, and this might be a little existential for folks, might be a little bit too woo woo for folks, but you can look at it one of two ways. On one hand, it's just the idea, it's just the idea of like the law of averages, you know, you, you, you put out more shit, it gets to more people. And that is, you could say that's by social media, but then that also can be by nature of like you making the effort to get it in front of more people and figuring out how to do that. And the more, the more tools you have to do that, then the more opportunity you have to get it in front of more people. And as an independent artist, your currency is people. That's what it is. It's, it's people that support you. That's what the grassroots of it is. It's you tapping into society that understands the value of art and letting that be the thing that sustains you versus having to rely on corporations. Now, it's not to say that you don't take money from that if it makes sense. But you want to be able to know that you're rooted in the people. And some might say, but Amanda, the people are so wonky. The people are so finicky. The people, you can't trust the people. Well, I guess we can also look at that and say, well, that's also a matter of numbers too. There's so many fucking people. So for, for the five that canceled you today, there'll be 15 tomorrow that just found out about you. And they don't even know you know what what they're hitting with but they about to they about to find out it's robust <laughs> truly it is abundant the people is abundant the other way you can look at it is that when you are highly prolific and you are creating an exponential amount of output you're giving the universe, this is the woo-woo part, woo-woo, you're giving the universe more tools to work on your behalf. That's where I'm at right now. You know, I was on Insecure for five years and in 2019, I reached a very, a, a really like, dope level of commercial success that I had never imagined. Not that I, that's not fair. It's not to say that I hadn't imagined it, but um, I had never experienced it. To have a book, to be on Bring the Funny on NBC and to have my special, to tour with stand-up as well as tour with Smart Funny in Black, to then join the real, like, it was just, it just kept, you know, going and had there not been a pandemic, that trend I feel like would have continued to go. That commercial success would have 100% continued to trend. And I'm not in that space right now. I am grounded in a different mindset with my art. I spent the last nine months trying to sell shows to Hollywood 
And it was the first time I had really committed myself to it. And it was a very exciting venture. It was a very exciting venture because it was something I had always kept at arm's length and I had never felt fully able to really commit myself to. And I would see my peers and it just seemed like this was what I'm supposed to be aspiring to because this is what they are doing. This is where they're excelling to. I'm not, they're not any smarter than me. They're not any more talented than me. They do their thing and I do my thing. There's room for me. So why aren't I? And so I was like really dealing with that for a long time. And then I was like, fuck it. Then why aren't you go for it? So I went for it and, um, I, I took shows to market projects that I really believed in that I thought were super special, super dope. I took them to market. I pitched. Oh, y'all, I pitched. I pitched like a motherfucker. And <laughs> I have a show called Amanda Seals is Difficult that would be so great for TV. But at this point, it's just, I mean, I pitched that shit so incredibly. And I got no love and it just was like frustrating because it's like I know I have really good taste and I'm also very honest with myself so I know when something I'm doing is like wah 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 this ain't that but yet I'm busy I'm being told by people that I don't necessarily regard as like benchmarks for identifying talent or you know identifying like dope content I have these people telling me that this doesn't fit their quote unquote slate. The slate is like the shows that a, that a channel is producing. You know, this doesn't fit their mandate, et cetera, et cetera. And I started to realize like what you're doing, Amanda, is you are stepping into a space that's going to require you to construct things in a very, um, fi- based on very finite and based on not even finite, but based on very foreign elements to your art. Mandates are these like basically top lines that that these different networks create for where their directive is. So it'll be like our mandate is black content for black women. And then you have a bunch of white women deciding on what content would be best for black women. You know, and it's like, okay, our mandate is competition shows. And so then you have a bunch of people sitting around like saying like, let's get these competition shows up. And so these mandates are based on like ad sales. These mandates are based on sometimes on audience like surveying that they're doing these mandates are based on you know the trajectory of the political swing of certain spaces etc these mandates are not based on this is dope and so we should do it so it was like okay so i'm creating something with that aspect then it's like okay what is the profitability of this what is the actual ad sales ability of this? How can this impact our company? And let me just say, I'm not even, it's not even like a shade thing because at the end of the day, these companies, these television places, movie places, they're, they're a business. And so they, in turn, I told y'all about business. Business got grids. Business got finite expectations. Business got growth analysis, et cetera. So business can't take chances in the way that you can. And that's why as an independent artist, you have to create a space where you taking chances is good for business. <laughs> you like your, your support system, your patrons, your, your, uh, your fans, like that's what 
makes them get all hot and bothered. That's what makes them excited. Because they know that you trying shit is you tapping in to that ingenuity that makes you special, that gives them the feeling of why they're special. That's where that comes from. TV and this shit ain't about that. And so in that nine months, I ended by doing, um, trying to sell Smart, Funny, and Black as a Juneteenth special. I got so close, y'all. We had an offer from a major network. Two major networks that were, that were, that were merging. And they just would not budge on this offer. Their first offer was their first and final offer. And I was doing this with two juggernauts at my back, on my sides, arms linked. And this network was just like, nah. And this wasn't just like a Juneteenth special, like me standing on the stage. No, this is Smart, Funny, and Black. So it would have been me with two black spurts. Then we got the band. Then we had three deans of dopeness judging just to give y'all an extra little flair for a special. Then at the end of the day, it's a special. So I don't want to be in some, you know, back. I'm not trying to do it in like someone's backyard. I'm trying to do it in a dope venue. Not a crazy venue. It's not like we're in SoFi Stadium, but in a dope venue nonetheless. We're not at Carnegie Hall, but in a dope venue nonetheless. You know, I want to give y'all a show. And in order to do that, we needed a certain level of resources and not to not even to say to get rich but just to do it properly and also to compensate people properly and they wouldn't budge and I had to make a decision about what I wanted to do with my art in this commercial space and I had to walk away and that was the first time that walking away in this like Hollywood shit like really bothered me it really bothered me. It really frustrated me that I was put in that position by these motherfuckers. Because what ends up happening is then if we had done it, if we had decided, fuck it, let's just throw caution to the wind and do some rinky-dink version of this but still get it out there, it would have been successful regardless because the three folks that were involved in making this happen, we do successful shit. So it would have been successful, but we would have taken such an L that it would have set a precedent that that's where we are. And it would have told them that that's okay for them to give us that in order to get this because they're going to make hand over fist money, okay? And then they're going to end up patting themselves on the back and giving somebody a raise for, for, for doing this shit with you. And that raise is going to end up being the same amount that they was trying to give you to do your goddamn shit. Listen, I had to walk away. And in the walking away, I was upset for like two days and then it just kind of came over me and I just realized like, this is, this is not for you. This is not this type of space in, in your art. Like this isn't, this is not for you. You can't sustain your joy in this way. And if you want to be in this, in this way, it's going to change you. It's going to change you in a way that you don't like. Mm, it's going to change you in a way you don't like. I'm not a quitter. I just know that when something goes from being a challenge to being a stress, it is time to relinquish yourself of it. And so I did. And I committed myself, recommitted myself, I should say, to my path as an independent artist, to creating for y'all, which means I have to trust y'all to continue to support me in order for me able to, to be able to do so. People say, Amanda, you need a show. You need your own show. You need your own show. And I'm like, well, 
the type of person I am in terms of how I show up language wise, how I talk about things, how I address things. I'm not saying in terms of like as a individual, I'm saying just as a truth translator of what the fuck is going on in the world. It's not going to be just anybody that gives me a show. It's going to be somebody who decides I have the ability to create a safe space for this independent artist, Amanda Seals. And I know that in doing so, it will exponentially make my shit grow. So that's how I'm going to do it. Because that's the fucked up part. A lot of these places, you know, they do they, they do actually ever so often identify like, damn, this is a dope artist that we can, you know, work with and make some shit with. But they don't know how to make a safe space for that. So it ends up fucking shit up. It ends up diminishing shit. Let me tell you, Prentice Penny is our showrunner on Insecure. Prentice, um, actually, he just did uh, my other show, Smart, Funny, and Black Radio. So you can check out that uh, where pods are casted. Uh, we do it at Sirius on LOL Network, Channel 96. But Prentice had a show on True TV called Upscale with Prentice Penny. The pilot he did with just him and his exec. And they made it how he envisioned it. When I tell you all it's one of the funniest pieces of content I've ever watched, because it was so irreverent and also just ebullient <laughs> and it had a complete like genuine niggerness about it at the same time that it was also um <laughs> really representative of Prentice and his his sophistication you know him being a a scholar and a, a gentleman. And like always happens far too often, the, pri- the pilot went to the head honchos and they were like, okay, we'll make this. We'll make this a series. But these are the changes we need to make. And the changes they needed to make that they felt they needed to make were based on how they could get their white audience to feel more involved, more included which naturally sucked the life out of the show. And when the show actually went to series, it was cool, but it wasn't what Prentice had envisioned. It wasn't what I saw from his vision. And, you know, Prentice has said to me like that he really is proud of me because I, I walk away from things when they don't serve the creative vision. And I think that there's a uniqueness just also because I'm also a performer along with a writer. And so I am able to generate, you know, the actual creativity anywhere. You can put me anywhere on a beach, on a stage, on some steps somewhere, you know, put me on a stoop and I can give you my art in its purest form. But I realized that I, that's really all I want to do. And I only want to do that. That's, I, I, it's, that's really all I want to do. And at this point, it's like, in order for me to commit to that, I have to commit to serving the people with my art first and letting these commercial spaces catch up. And when we look at folks like Tyler Perry, I mean, I'm not a fan of Tyler Perry's work, but I'm a fan of his work ethic uh, and how he got to this point. When you look at Drake, 
You know, when that So Far Gone mixtape came out, y'all, ooh, child. It was an album. Gave that shit away. Look at Kendrick. Gave us mixtapes, EPs, gave that shit away. I want to do a special and give it to y'all for free. In return for y'all spreading the word about it, passing it along, sharing it, and continuing to create a sustainable means for me to continue to create. I realize that at this point, my I, people keep telling me to be a politician. I'm never going to be a politician, but I continue to be a public servant in a way by identifying for real that it's like, Amanda, this is, <laughs> your art is connected to the people in a real, not just like, oh, here's my art, but in a, in an exchange. And so I've had to humble myself to understanding what that calls for. So I said I was going to tell you some ways to being an independent artist. It's also about creating a methodology that allows you to consistently be in a creative mind without draining yourself. You want to become Kung Fu with this shit. Where it reaches a point where your creativity can't drain you because it is you. I'm at a point in my life where I don't need a vacation from creating. I need a vacation from fuckery. And by nature of being an adult, you're going to have to interact with fuckery. So, you know, whenever I get a chance to vacay, it's really about just getting a chance to step away from the un... <laughs> the unnecessary and the unwanted fuckery that finds its way into the peaceful life I'm trying to live. But as an independent artist, you are going to have to understand that it's all on you. Even when you hire folks to work with you, to work for you, it's all on you. Every group project, it's still all on you. And you can't look at that as pressure. You have to look at that as power and I don't mean power as in like, you know, being a megalomaniacal maniac. What I mean is power and, when I, and, and control in the sense that these are assets that you have ability over. And as an artist, like that's really incredibly important because so much of what you do doesn't fall into the guidelines of a nine to five or of a front or of a Monday through Friday. Like it's just, it happens. So when you are able to have the power and the control of how you show up and how your work shows up, you know, that is security for me. Cause I know I can bet on me. And so the other part of, of being an independent artist is confidence. You have to build that confidence. And the only way to build that confidence is to create a fact-based foundation for yourself. What is a fact-based foundation, Amanda? A fact-based foundation is processes of practice that you can go back to to remember 
how you showed up, you know, to remind yourself of why you're valuable, just to, to, to give yourself the sustenance and stability to continue forward. Because there are going to be times where you're like, I, this is pointless. You're, there's going to be times where you're like, this is nonsensical. I have, no, I have no direction. I can't figure out how to do this. I feel like a hamster on a wheel. And you have to, at those points, those are critical points. Those are critical points that you have to be able to flip a switch that goes into solution mode and not into dissolution mode. You can't go into the spiral of darkness, of doubt. You can't. Because, you know, artists, we're wielding lightness and darkness crazy. You can't let that happen. So you have to, you have to work on when I feel like that, Cause it's a real feeling when I feel like that, how do I not let it be a thing that takes me out, but a thing that builds me up? How do I let it be an opportunity for growth? The last tip I'll give you on how to be an independent artist is you are going, and I've say this, I've said this about a number of things, but you got to get people in your life that believe in you even more than you believe in yourself. Yeah, you build your confidence. You know what you're about. You know why you're doing this. This is beautiful, et cetera. But remember what I said about this, about solution and not dissolution. Sometimes you're going to need somebody outside of you to be like, hey, 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 you're going to be good. You good. Keep going. Keep going. It's not that they're giving you outside validation per se, but they're reminding you they're your angels. You know, so don't, don't look at independent artists as people who don't want a job or people who don't have respect for stability or people who aren't trying to be responsible. Their view, their vision is existing outside of the confines of the capitalist experience that we have all been raised in and so their vision seems to so many like nonsense seems impractical seems like it would take a miracle it actually doesn't it takes support and you as the artist you get what you give now when I was in the music business I realized I couldn't be in the music business because what I was considering success was commercial success. And I was never going to get what I was willing to give. And I also learned later, like, if you had changed your idea of what success was in music, you would have had a whole different relationship with that business. You would have understood it. You would have challenged, you would have pursued it differently. Well, I'll, that lesson I'm living now and I'm pursuing this differently. And I feel so blessed to get to be back in front of y'all on stages and to get to interact with y'all in person and analog, not digital. The Black Outside Again tour dates have been announced. We're still adding some dates to that. So you can come and see me do stand up. There's also Smart, Funny and Black show dates in there. We're also working on doing small doses brunches. 
where we do a live recording of the show at a brunch with y'all. Wow. If you all could see the size of this fucking grasshopper outside, it is massive. Massive. And I'm going to take it as a good sign because in Grenadian folklore, you see a grasshopper, money coming. <laughs> um, we've been in the house, y'all. That's why the tour is called the Black Outside Again Tour. We got to get back outside and we got to commune and we got to strengthen and we got to soothe and we got to laugh with each other and we got to teach each other and we got to remember our power as a unit. And that's with allies as well. So we black outside again. And this independent artist will be there with merch. <laughs> I will be there. Uh, in full spirit with some material, with a whole bunch of new material that y'all ain't never heard. And I can't wait. To my independent artists listening, keep going. Keep challenging yourself. And, and remember that you are doing something very difficult. There's a, you're, you're using hemispheres of your brain differently. And it is going to be a journey and a struggle. Even when you make the money, it's still a struggle because that business shit feels so counterproductive and counterintuitive to the natural order of creation. But as Herbie Hancock said, we're all artists and we're all creative in figuring out how to manage this life. And so the same way you're creating on that canvas or on that, on that page or through that lens or in that sewing machine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the same way you're creating there, you need to use that creativity to create a safe space for your business that allows you to do what you were put here to do. But I'm bump. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.